So you know the premise of the show, right? It's called My Turning Point. Oh, I don't actually. Okay. So the premise of the show, it's called My Turning Point. And it's a typical interview like we've done a billion times. Mm -hmm. The one difference is like the jumping off point is an artist, the artist will pick a turning point moment in their life. Mm. You know, so that moment that's sort of where things change for them and put them on their way. Some artists go very personal. Some artists keep it more in the professional field, you know. So for you, what was a turning point moment in your life that led you to be here in Hollywood today? Oh, man, I've had so many turning points. I know. It's hard to pick just one. Um, but I think the most poignant one was when I... Uh, a story that I've I've told you probably many times. When I kind of lost myself in LA and the music industry and decided to to leave and move to a cabin in the woods in Oregon. And um, so I had, you know, spent my entire life up until that point pursuing a career in music since I was six years old, performing with my mom. And then going solo in high school, starting my own band, then dropping out of high school, moving to L.A., getting a record deal. And then, like, falling on my ass, pretty much. Going broke and losing my record deal, losing my entire team. Um, and so I decided, you know, L.A. is too expensive, and I'm not getting anything accomplished here. I can't write a song anymore. I have writer's block. And so I decided to leave, and I moved to this cabin in the woods up in Oregon and um, did some soul-searching for a few months. And that's kind of like where I fell back in love with music and realized why, why I was doing it. Because um, when I came to L.A., I started doing it for the wrong reasons, you know, for like fame and fortune and pleasing everyone and instead of for the passion of music. And so I rediscovered my passion for music up there in the woods when I was just solo mission by myself out there. Um, no opinions to listen to, nobody to impress. And that led to my success, actually, that, that decision. How long ago was that? <clears throat> that was in 2008, I think. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, though, because in all the times we have talked, I didn't realize that you started music at such a young age. Oh, it, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it is interesting because it's funny. Like, we had Corella on the show not long ago. I say we, me. I had Corella on the show not long ago. We were talking about that. I think every artist goes through a point, especially when you start music at a young age, where you have to sort of rededicate yourself to it. And yeah. where you, And when I say rededicate yourself to figure out is this really what I want to do with my life? Because what you want to do when you're six or seven or 14 years old yeah. doesn't necessarily translate. So That's so true, especially because like I was six years old when I was performing and I couldn't decide if I was doing it because I really loved it sometimes or if I was doing it because my mom wanted me to, you know? And so even just the songs that we played in our sets, I wasn't a huge fan of those songs but I was a kid and I didn't know how to like 
communicate what I wanted to do. And it took me until I was 14 to say, hey, mom, I want to start playing different, different kind of music now. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was hard to know like who I was really doing it for back then when I was a kid. And so then, yeah, rediscovering and, and um, you know, finding my version of that show, um, it took me some, some time and some soul searching, some really deep soul searching. Yeah, but it's so funny because the thing is, again, it's, it's you know, and even then, this is where, you know, you change all the time as a person. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, from who you were in the music you were doing back in 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, we've talked about, now moving to Napa, mm -hmm. you know, that's changed for you as well. Yep. And it goes back, and it's funny because I think that, you know, from what you were saying when we met when you were doing the DirecTV uh, show, mm -hmm. the audience concert, that music goes back a little bit more to who you were at the beginning. You know, one of the things I love about doing this particular show, and then there's a, a column I do for Forbes called Who I Am, where people take me through sort of the 10 things that chronologically shape them. And what's always so fascinating about it is to see how as you get older, you go back more and more to the stuff that shaped you when you were a kid. Yes. So do you feel like the music that you're making now does go back to earlier when you... Yeah, I'm taking the pieces of things that I loved from what I did as a kid uh, and incorporating them now. I mean, I used to sing kid songs with my mom and they were like, never smoke tobacco and grandma <laughs> slid down the mountain. Like those are some of the song titles. And I was like embarrassed that I was singing these songs. But there were certain things about those songs that I really liked. There was a lot of storytelling. And um, we also incorporated some covers of like Joni Mitchell and some really s songs that I still love and so you know just looking back I'm taking those pieces bits and pieces that I love like the storytelling and and the sound that you know Joni Mitchell created and Carole King and I'm incorporating that now into what I'm doing but in a similar way it's like you know I moved to a big city LA and now I'm living in the woods in Napa because my that's where my heart really is and I grew up in the woods you know like I'm going back to my roots in more ways than than just uh music well it's interesting because I always believe that environment plays such a big part in writing and recording as well so do it, you think being in Napa mm -hmm. you know again the the how you feel in Napa is very different than how you're going to feel living in LA totally so I'm sure that of course has to influence and seep into your writing it does, and I think the most important part about it is the the peace and quiet and the freedom to create without like feeling like I have to prove something to somebody. That's really what causes me to have the best creativity up there. Well, but that's also, it's funny because I mean, I, I wonder how much of that is environment. And like, you, you know, so you're engaged now, mm -hmm. you know, you are happy where you are. Mm -hmm. Also, just everyone as you get older just gives less fucks yeah, and worry that's so true. and you know you, you you stop worrying about pleasing people because you're like eh, fuck off if you don't like it yeah i felt that shift happen when i right about when i turned 30 i started to just not give a fuck anymore i mean i still do to a degree but it's like definitely well of course you, you you're gonna give it you know because obviously it's what you're doing you're passionate yeah. about it yeah but again that idea of trying to please people all the time or worrying about what people yeah, think. Yeah, it's just I not think. worth my energy anymore. I'm like, life's too short. Why am I trying to do this? I should just, you know, take advantage of the time I have here and have fun. Do what I want to do. So what do you want to do now? Um, well, I am really excited to be working 
on new music and being free from a record company. Um, that's a new development I'm not sure you were aware of, but I just, I'm excited to, to be able to put out music whenever I want to and pretty much in whatever style I want to. So like with this project that I'm working on right now, Angel with Tattoos, um, it's, it's very specific. It's a concept project basically that, as we said before, it, it kind of takes me back, back to my roots with like the influences of the music I grew up listening to, but that no doesn't grandma, mean no grandma slid down the mountain. On no, that one, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> but that doesn't mean I don't want to continue working in other genres. Like as you know, I've been doing a lot of work in hip hop um, over the years, and I've done stuff in EDM, rock. I want to get into to doing some country stuff. So I just love all different types of music, and I guess. In the past, I felt like I had to pick one sound so that it would be uh, marketable and brandable and people could get it and put me in a category. And I just, I think these days people are experimenting so much with their sounds and genre blending all the time. And you have the ability to release music anytime with the internet. It's not like you have to wait to put out an album. So I'm just like, fuck it, let's just do it all. Let's just put, keep putting out music and whatever style, whatever genre it is and whatever collaboration it is and just keep doing it. Because that's, that's really what I like do this for is, is the passion for the music and the creativity. So I hold myself in a little box. Well, it's interesting because I think what you're seeing fans, first of all, when you look at the festivals, fans are much more open musically. Yeah, that's true too. You see so many styles. Mm -hmm. But it's so interesting because you go back and over the years and you look at great artists and I mean, you know. Certainly, you look at like a Bowie and Neil Young, Joni Mitchell, you know, they never put themselves in one category. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I think it was a little bit to a detriment because it confused the fuck out of the music industry. Mm -hmm. But now, like you say, you don't have to answer to anyone. I don't have anyone to answer to at this point. So it's really fun and liberating to just create freely now. So will there be like a proper album? Because at one point, as we talked about it, you were going to, Angels with Tattoos was going to be an album. But yeah. are you going to still like... Or so I'm calling it an open-ended album. Okay. And what I mean by that is I, I can keep writing songs in that genre or in that sound um, and add them to that project over time. And who knows? Like right now, it's going to be five songs, but it could end up being a hundred songs. Who knows? Uh, I just, well, anytime I write a song that feels like it belongs in that project, I'll put it on that project. So I don't know when the al album's going to end. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Because we, 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 as we've talked about over the years though as well, that can be dangerous. Because, well, the difference is now though, it's funny because when you were dealing with it with a major label, you know, you had to find, there had to be a deadline, mm -hmm. you know, and you had to put everything out you know, at once. Mm -hmm. But so now fans won't have to wait for you to figure out when the album is done. You could just right. keep dropping material. Yeah, exactly. Which I think is better in a way because people can constantly look forward to new little bits and pieces instead of like waiting two years for an album, you know? Yeah. Or three years. Or <laughs> some cases. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I think it's pretty exciting. And then also in the meantime, I could be writing and performing in other styles and putting them out as a separate project. Well, that's interesting too, because I think we've talked about this, but it's funny because obviously as you get more comfortable with your roots, but at the same time, 
you know, okay, so that was the stuff you did when you were, you know, six years old or eight years old or 10 years old or however it was, or even at 14, you know, mm-hmm. then you start to find your own voice musically and figure out your own stuff. But now, you know, you have the difference of the experience of all the stuff you've done. So you can start to figure out how that blends together versus simply, okay, I only know this one style. So it's interesting because I'm sure you find when you write, whether it's Angels with Tattoos, whatever it is, that, you know, you're still the same person. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be elements that you take from a love the way you lie Mm -hmm. that come in with the Joni Mitchell influence. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely going to have, there's going to be a, part of it that is cohesive a through line throughout all of it because I am me um and my voice is what it is <laughs> but yeah it's, it's just fun to like explore different genres and stuff like I grew up in such a musical household my dad was in a barbershop quartet so I was exposed to that like four-part crazy harmony um and then my mom also played celtic harp i got really exposed to celtic music and then in high school i started sitting in with jazz bands and and performing like jazz standards and stuff and i did a lot of musical theater so it's just my influences are from all over the place so it's as you can imagine it's really hard to just (laughs) pick one spot to sit in you know, for but are you finding as you're writing more now that that's what I'm saying is that, you know, all of those influences sort of, well, to a point, I mean, I'm sure to it's a like, point they, they influence everything I do. Yeah, yeah. But I would imagine it'd be hard to fucking fuse hip hop with Celtic with jazz. Hey, with- I might do it. <laughs> Watch out now. <laughs> I might be the first. <laughs> but as you're writing these songs, are there ones in particular where you notice like, okay, this is sort of a culmination of all of these different things versus, you know, like a one style. Like, do you go back in there and hear elements of things that, yeah. you know, it's, and it's funny because as a writer too, I know oftentimes things will surprise you. Yeah. You know, so are there elements when you go back in there and realize like, oh yeah, this is, I didn't expect this, but this is cool, you know? Yeah. Well, something that comes to mind is um, I put out a song recently for a Hulu TV show called New Kind of Love. Okay. And I actually started writing that song for Pitch Perfect 2, I think it was, that I got asked to try to write a song for. And it didn't make it into the movie. Um, And then it just got put in my Dropbox folder for a couple years until (laughs) it found a new home. And But something with that song that was fun is I got to play off the barbershop influence because I was writing it for Pitch Perfect and so I was thinking about like you know acapella groups and so I got to play with that for like the first time probably I mean harmony is always a big part of what I do I love harmony so I definitely feel like that barbershop influence has always been there for for me but I got to take take it to another level with New Kind of Love and that was really fun um and then but it, but the song is not a barbershop song. It right. like turned out to be like a song for me. Like it doesn't sound like a barbershop song, but it has elements of that. So yeah, like it all it all plays a role. Now, all right, let me ask you. Now, I'm curious because I ask people this all the time. But you know, few people have your wide breadth of musical influence. The song you wish you had written, and why? Oh, there's a lot of songs I wish I'd written. <laughs> <laughs> What's the first one that comes to mind? The sort of the gut one. Uh, well, the most recent one, um, by the way, can you hear my stomach growling? <laughs> <laughs> there are snacks here if you, you know. Oh, it's okay. Uh, the most recent song that I got jealous of that I wish I would have written was um, Post Malone's Day. Okay. Yeah. 
And do you remember like? And really, honestly, I don't even know what the song's about. I haven't paid that much attention to the lyrics. It's more about the music of it that mm-hmm. I'm like, damn, I wish I was, wish I would have come up with that <laughs> that chord <laughs> progression and that melody. Someone else yeah. was talking about Post Malone the other day. I got to check it out. You know. Yeah. Um, and it's is good there, stuff. Yeah. No, I mean. Yeah. He, he definitely plays with the genres, too, which is fun. I love that. Well, but I think, you know, it's funny. I mean, we've talked in the past, too, about Billie Eilish, because I know she told me that she was a big fan of yours. Yeah. You know, and it's like... She's so cool. She is. And Phineas is fucking great, too. Like, he was just on the show. But the thing is, again, I think it's interesting that you say that, because you're finding now... And it's funny, this goes back to what we are talking about at the beginning. You're seeing these younger artists who probably... Like, I remember so many years ago, right, interviewing Porter Robinson, the DJ... Mm-hmm. Great dude. And we talked about this. This blew my mind at the time. But he grew up on electronic music. He was of a young enough age that he never really was exposed to rock. He grew oh, up wow. on electronic music. But why I bring that up is I think it's, I hadn't thought about this till just now, but you're probably now starting to see, although Billie Eilish is fucking super musical savvy. And yeah. I, we talked about like, you know, the one artist that she, you know, looks up to probably the most at the time, she was say was Sinatra. Oh, wow. So that goes back a long ways, although that also played with genres. But it's what I'm getting at is I, I wonder if you're starting to see now the first generation of artists who didn't grow up on any one style who are starting to you know cause, and you're seeing that carry over now into popular music where there is no genre so this kind of goes into what we were yeah. talking about that's such such an interesting idea I hadn't thought about it till you were just talking about it with Post but obviously there's a similarity there between Post and Billy in terms of I mean there's always going to be artists people look up to and as as music evolves I mean it's like we're creating genres as we go nowadays. Yeah, more so than, you know. Yeah, so, yeah, that's interesting. Got to wrap my head around that for a while. I know. So now I wonder, though, who will be the first one to do the Celtic hip-hop? Is it going to be you or is Billy going to beat you to it? <laughs> or maybe you guys could just do it together, you know? Well, you just gave me a mission, so watch <laughs> out. <laughs> so if you fun. were to explore one genre with Billy or with Post Malone, what would it be? I mean, you know, or is the fun with the fact that, you know, and obviously this is interesting because, you know, with a lot of people, it's in the hypothetical. But for you, you've spent so much time writing with other people. Yeah. You know? I think if I were to get in the room with Post or Billy, I would probably not have a plan. I think I would want to go in just totally free and open and, and vibe. Yeah. And let let it happen naturally. I mean, have you found that to be the case for your best writing sessions with other people? Yes. Um, I've had a lot of writing sessions with a lot of great writers over the years. And um, I, there's something, it's very difficult to walk into those rooms with a scheduled time slot, you know, to have this writing session. And, um, and to just somehow summon the creativity and the energy to like create something freely. And so a lot of times you walk in there with an idea started or like, you know, a concept. And it's cool and it's fun and it's like a good brain exercise, but it's not the same experience as just randomly picking up a guitar or randomly sitting at a piano and just channeling whatever's coming to you. That's like a completely different moment. And what's been so fun for me in the past um, two years is actually working with my fiance, 
who's he's been in music his whole life too and um just being together up in napa and having guitars everywhere and a piano ready to be played and you know we'll just be like hi one night and he'll start playing <laughs> something on the piano and i'll start singing a melody and soon enough it's like this epic song that we just you know came out of nowhere with no plan and to me that is the most fun way to create music and so what was the last song that you wrote while super high in napa that came out of that and have any of these been released yet <laughs> no i don't think any of those have <laughs> come out yet really um but yeah we we've if he's in the other room, he could probably chime in on this. But uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think. We wrote we wrote a really epic song on mushrooms one night, <laughs> but it's not out yet. But it's coming out, <laughs> probably. <laughs> I mean, I don't have to hold anything back anymore. I can put out whatever I want. It's so exciting. Well, and besides that, I mean, I wonder how many songs you know over the years have been written on mushrooms anyway. Yeah, being interesting, you know. <laughs> I don't really know the answer to that, you know. <gasps> Nope, don't know that. I don't know. If you had to guess, you know, what would be the one song you would think? What they're trying to, I can't see. Oh. Oh, they want me to mention a song I have coming out. Oh, yes. Were you on Mushrooms that night? We're yelling through the window here. No, he was really high. Okay. okay. So he was high and I was in the kitchen cooking dinner. I was probably on two glasses of wine. And he started playing the guitar and singing, um, I'll be, okay, which, could I not do it? I'm going to tease it right now. Sure. I'll be sipping my ties. And he was like, oh, that's stupid. And I was like, no, that's dope. <laughs> <laughs> and we took this little, this little riff, guitar riff, and this idea of I'll be sipping my ties and turned it into a song which is now coming out with me and Train. Really? Train okay. featuring me. Yeah. It's coming out in November. Wait, is this like the 2019 version of Escape the Pina Colada song? Do you remember that song? Uh, no, I don't. It's a very... Escape the Pina Colada. <laughs> yeah, if you like Pina Coladas getting caught in the rain. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, so. I, since you mentioned my ties, oh, I thought yes. this. Oh, it's, it's escape the name of the band. Escape's the name of the song. It was actually escape. Oh, and then in parentheses, the Pina Colada song. Who, by, who's the band who did it? It was a solo artist by the name of Rupert Holmes. And funny enough, he was oh. a very famous playwright. Oh, it was like his only hit ever. Oh, but I feel like this could be like a 2019 version of the Tropical Drink song. Yeah, it is a Tropical Drink song. Yeah, it is. So it's like, it's funny because I was just did an interview not long ago with Mark McGrath. That was a lot of fun. And we were talking about, you know, his, his love of yacht rock and how, <laughs> you know, so I feel like working with Train on a, on a song about Mai Tais, I feel like that has a very yacht rock feel. Yeah. And then they have that um, music festival cruise that happens in like February or something. I'm going to join them for that. Are you can't, nice? Can't miss out on that opportunity to just be on a boat and singing about Mai Tais. <laughs> <laughs> Drinking Mai Tais. I feel like that could be a turning point moment in its own right. It is, it is. <clears throat> but I oh, we didn't finish the whole turning point thing story. Uh, I mean, we'll go back to it. It's okay, it, we'll it interweaves, it. but it's interesting because I think that that's one of the things that as an artist, I imagine is so fun. And especially for an artist in your situation where you write and record with others is that, you know, you've gotten to work with Eminem. You've gotten to work with Dre. You know, you get to work 
with train mm-hmm. you know like that freedom to be able to work with and also oh, and guess who the next one is who celine dion that's fucking awesome yeah did you, did you write a song for her are you yes. guys recording together or? we wrote a song for her um <laughs> i can tell you the story real quick so elliot again he's he's been my muse um he's amazing so he was looking at huffington post and saw this article about celine dion um and she was like walking down the street with with a guy like they were holding hands or something and so there was this rumor that Celine Dion had new love or something <clears throat> and he was like babe we got to write a song for Celine Dion about this <laughs> and so we sat in the car after dinner on our driveway the car was running sorry environment um <laughs> we were just sitting in the car talking for like an hour about if we like trying to put ourselves in her shoes, like if we went through losing the the love of our life like that, like if I lost him or if he lost me, like how you would possibly muster up the strength to like go on, go move on and, and seek new love and stuff like that. And so we had this really in-depth conversation that we let marinate after that for a while. And then last summer I had, I had a show in Montauk at the Surf Lodge. Nice. And after the show, while I was like sleep, almost asleep in bed, the song, the melody came to me. A lot of songs come to me also when I'm like half asleep. So, and I woke up, I was like, babe, I got it. And we had this little Casio keyboard that was like, I don't know how big it is, maybe 20 keys. <laughs> <laughs> and... I started like playing on this little tiny keyboard, the idea, and then on our whole drive back to JFK from Montauk, sitting in the back of the car, we had a, a driver driving us, he and I wrote the whole song on this little Casio keyboard in the back of the car. The driver must have been so annoyed with us, but <clears throat> we got home, we recorded it, we sent it off to Celine, and then I got a call that she was going to cut the song and I just like burst into tears because it's a huge dream for me to work with her as big a dream as it was to work with Eminem so yeah I mean that just shows you right there like my wide range of of genres that I love <laughs> and you may end up being the only person who's worked with both Eminem and Celine Dion <laughs> that could be true I don't know you could be the bridge imagine if they recorded I feel like act. Sia <laughs> has too okay I think she would be the other one who has yeah but um so what's the song called that she's doing Falling in Love Again. Okay. And Very when fitting. is it coming out? Do you know? Or? Um, I think that's also coming out on her album in November. But I don't know. 100%. Okay. So I have to check on that. That's just the last rumor I heard. But still. I mean, um, it's a, you know. Yeah. But I'm really excited about that. And she also, like, I wasn't expecting this, but they are using my piano part and my background vocals. So technically, I'm singing with Celine Dion. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that's such a cool thing, too, because, I mean, again, it's one of those things as well, you know. So with her, it doesn't sound like you were in the same room, though, right? You didn't. No, we weren't in the same room. But it's still one of those things where it's like even, you know, then you still talk about stuff Mm -hmm. or whatever. And then doing the song with Train, and we talked about, you know, all the stuff you learned working with Eminem. You know, I mean, one of the cool things as an artist, right, I remember so many years ago getting to be lucky enough to interview B.B. King, and he just started playing clarinet, and he was, and I was asking him why he picked it up, and he was like, because, you know, a day where you don't learn something is a day wasted. Mm. And I thought that was such a great quote, and for you, 
you know, what's cool is as you get to work with all these artists, you're still constantly learning because totally. everybody has their own style. So are there things that you've picked up recently or things that you learn working with, you know, new artists or people that you haven't worked <laughs> with that you're then excited to take to your own music going forward? Totally. Yeah, and and that brings to mind something that I've been doing over the past couple of years too, being so far removed from the industry up in Napa. Um, just out of necessity, I've been really diving into production. And so I've been doing a lot more producing. And um, I'm actually working on, on an end title for a movie uh, a movie right now. Nice. And it's like a very orchestral piece. And it's my f- pretty much my first time <laughs> ever working with strings. Uh, like, I, I bought Spitfire Strings. It's a program, you know you can use with Pro Tools or whatever. And um, so I'm building these like string arrangements and it's so fun. But like, you know, there's learning something every day. That's what I'm doing for sure. I just, I love keeping expanding my my knowledge in music. And So as you expand the production and even now that you're doing, working for the first time with strings. Uh, that'll probably get incorporated then into my own stuff too, for sure. So one day you could do like a whole Celtic hip hop orchestral <laughs> Let's tour, do it, baby. Man. Yeah, Let's you know, <laughs> could turn into a whole thing. Yeah, I, I mean it's fun for you as well though, because also I've talked about this with so many musicians. Like it's funny. Uh, like I mentioned, we just had Dead Mouse on the show. I've known him for a while, mm-hmm. and it's one of those things too. It's like. You know, I think as an artist, like he had just done his first score recently for Polar, the um, Netflix film. And we were talking about that. And, you know, working on a score is a very different thing or working on an end title mm-hmm. because you're it's it's a different kind of collaboration because obviously there's a vision, a story mm-hmm. for the film. Totally. And you have to fit to that. But so talk about for you then the sort of the experience of doing that and, you know, how that then also influences your own work because it's interesting. Because, like, again, when you're sitting down in Napa and you're high or you're on mushrooms <laughs> or whatever you're doing, you can write about whatever the fuck you want. Totally. But when you're writing for a film, you know, if you're doing, let's say, a romantic comedy, it doesn't really work to write an Iron Maiden song for the end. Right. You know? Yeah, I mean, in this case, like, I got on the phone with the director and got his take on what he thought the end title should be, and he kind of described to me what the feeling he wanted to accomplish um, and the message he wanted to accomplish. So I had that starting point, and then I built from there. Um, but then when I sent it off to him, he was like, this is not at all what I was expecting, <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> nice. You know, that's just how it happens. People say words, and, and other people interpret them differently, and... But that's that's what's cool about making art and mm-hmm. collaborating. So is there a timeline, by the way, is as you it's funny because now that you have this opportunity to just do so much what you want to do musically, is there a timeline for playing any of this stuff on the road, taking it on the road? You know, um, yes, but I as I'm getting older and more um I'm just so happy being in Napa and home. I I don't want to spend more time away from home than absolutely necessary. And also, I think with the with you know social media and the internet, you can stay pretty like. There's creative ways to to play the music live and without actually having to leave the house. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm trying to come up with a plan where I can play this music live, but not leave too much and just do some you know spot dates and like short tours I don't want to be on the road for two years 
like grinding like a, a rock band on Warp Tour. That's not in my future at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting though because it, when we just had Robbie Robertson on, we were talking about that, and I keep saying we, but it's me. So he and I were talking about that, and you know, it's funny because to him, he's like, dude, I'm done playing live. He's like, mm-hmm. I'm done touring. You know, he's like, because I'm working on a book, I do all this stuff. You know, you had Springsteen do the on Broadway run. Mm-hmm. You're seeing more and more artists who are doing the Vegas residencies. Like residencies, yeah. And the reason why is because, again, it allows them, like, it's funny, Joe Elliott was just on as well. And we were talking about it. And he's like, 27 nights in the same bed? He's like, fuck yeah. Yeah. You know? And I think that that's, you know, so that's becoming more of a compromise for artists as well mm-hmm. who don't want to do the grind of the tour. And also, you know, let's face it, I mean, if you don't have a label or support behind it, sometimes it could be financially difficult. Well, that's the other thing. Tour is so expensive. Like, people, you don't start making money on tour until you're playing really, really big shows, I think. Unless I just did a tour completely solo and didn't have a band and didn't have lights and... Yeah, there's a lot of people you bring on the road and you have to take care of all of them, pay all of them. And it ends up costing a lot. Yep. So for you, do you see then residencies possibly as a way to do it? Or like, I mean, what are some yeah, of the creative ways to, I you think know. that could be something I would do. I'd be interested in that. Or just like doing like week-long tours here and there or, or a month max. Um, but I haven't really figured it out yet. But is it something at this point that you, you know... Because I think for a lot of artists, when they get new material, they're very excited to play it live. Mm-hmm. But, you know, then there are certain artists who who simply just, you know, don't enjoy it. I'm the... a studio rat. Are you? I, I mean, I like to be... Once I'm on stage and I'm singing and I'm performing, I really enjoy it. But everything leading up to it, the travel, the, you know, getting ready for the show and the nerves, um, I don't enjoy that part. I do really, really enjoy the just the part of actually performing the songs, though. Well, I remember there was someone who had said, I can't remember who it was, but it makes sense. So basically, look, he's like, you're not paying me to play. You're paying me to tour. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? You're you, paying I mean, me the, to get on the road and leave my house and yeah, show and, up and get ready and, and find an in, outfit. And sleep in different hotels. Sleep in different rooms. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. That's the, what I'm getting paid for. The, I don't, <laughs> the, the music, the, that part is fun. Yeah. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I just saw online as well, there's a video coming, or it just came, for Angels with Tattoos, correct? Yeah, I shot a little music video for it. That'll be coming as soon as we get the edit right. <laughs> so Nice. So for you, though, I imagine it's also very fun and sort of inspiring to be involved in all aspects of things again. Like, you know, basically... It's funny. I mean, I talk about this with people all the time. Look, when it comes down to it, no one is ever going to be as invested in your music as you are, nor should they be. That's so true. You know, so for you, are you finding it inspiring and fun to be able to work in all aspects of it? Because, you know, most artists at this point, too, are so multifaceted anyway. Mm-hmm. No one works in just music anymore, whether it's Brandon Boyd, who's painting, ASAP Rocky <laughs> in fashion, you know, all creative people. Yeah. And you have the, we haven't even mentioned, really, the cannabis line. Oh, yeah. So... Yeah, I'm definitely branching out a little bit. My fiance has, um, he's, he's, uh, I don't know, he does it all. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So he's been like an entrepreneur and he's in music. And um, one thing that he recently did was he opened the first, uh, partnered with Harvest, uh, a big cannabis company, and, and they opened the first weed shop in Napa Valley. And that was a big feat that he accomplished, and it's amazing. And I think he's working on some more. 
but he created this amazing relationship with Harvest. And um, so I'm getting myself involved now on a line of CBD products that we are working with um, them on. And it's called CBX Essentials. And it's it's going to be topicals, ingestibles, vapes, everything. Um, and it's going to be like nationally distributed. So it's very exciting. All right. Obvious question. And we'll wrap up in a minute. But I have to know, who would be the one artist that you would want to write and smoke with? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> uh, they always ask people who they would want to smoke with. But who you write and smoke with is a very different thing. Yeah, that is different. Ooh. You know, it's weird, though, because, like, if I smoke around somebody I don't really know, I don't really enjoy it because I get nervous. So it would have to be somebody I know. Huh. I don't know. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I don't know Post Malone, but I feel like... <laughs> Writing and smoking with him would be really fun. I would just have to spend some time getting to know him first. Well, who's the coolest artist you've ever smoked with? I don't really smoke socially with people. Okay. That's probably why the answer is hard to find because I like to smoke at home with Elliot and chill out, you know? Mm-hmm. But I remember, you know, this, this time his dad was up visiting and I took an edible that was way too strong but I mean it was five milligrams which I'm sensitive so um I thought it was two (laughs) and it was five and his dad was visiting and it was like right early on when I kind of had just met his dad we were pulling up to to the house and his dad was there and I was like babe I am so high right now I can't see your dad (laughs) like this is not good and he's like you know well it's okay just if he's cool so like if the worst case, you're feeling really uncomfortable, just let him know that you took an edible and you're, you know, feeling a little high, a little too high. And I was like, okay, okay. So we walk in the door and the first words out of my mouth were, Ron, I'm really high. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just, I got so self-conscious. I just couldn't, couldn't deal with it. But I do not take edibles anymore. <laughs> You know, microdosing them is very nice. Nope. Uh-uh. You haven't tried microdosing them, though? Fuck that. I'm over it. You're just over it? I was at a Wiz Khalifa party. <laughs> <laughs> it was at Blind Dragon in LA. And it was, you know, you've been to many music industry parties over the years. Yeah. So we get there, right? And I, my friend had got out work early. So we met. And, you know, I live in Long Beach, so I wasn't going all the way back to Long Beach. So we got there when the party started at 7 o'clock, right? And now, typically, if you've been to music industry parties at around 7, you know, they serve some kind of food, you know? And we were hungry because we hadn't had dinner. So there's these, like, all this food on the tables. I start eating this black and white cookie. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. And my friend would, like, she was looking, and I'd eaten half of it, and or maybe even more than half of it. And she was looking to see if it had fucking gluten. And then she sees, oh, shit, this is an edible. I, it was... Probably as bad as every time I had ever done acid. I was oh like, God. nope. I'm like, never again. I'm like, thankfully, I'm older. I was able, and it's funny because after 10 minutes, yeah. they were like, oh, we can't really leave these on the table. So if there's anything you want to take, let us know. We have to put them away. I'm like, you couldn't have fucking thought of that earlier. Oh. I was so high. Oh, I no. was like, that's the worst. I know my body and my brain were like detached from each other. Yeah. I was like, no. Nope. I've definitely had those experiences, but 
I found microdosing, which is I like to take like a two point five, and that is perfect. That's like to me the amount of um, effect like a glass of wine has. So it's very mellow. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. No. Nope. But but I might try some my ties <laughs> now. I don't know. I haven't had my ties in a while. You know. Yeah. So you were saying that we want to wrap up on the turning point. I mean, and it's interesting. Well, yeah, because we started there, and yeah. Um, no, I was just I wanted to go back to that because it was such a powerful moment for me to like fall back in love with music, being in the woods, and doing music for the right reasons. Um, again, is what led me to writing the song "Love the Way You Lie," and that was the biggest song in my career. And um, I, you know, people. Not everybody knows this, but I was just living in a cabin in the woods. I was inter- introduced to Alex the Kid over email through my publisher. And we created this song, and then it was sent to Eminem. He did his part in Detroit. Rihanna did her part in Dublin. None of us had ever been in the same room together. I was completely broke. And a month later, the song was a number one hit worldwide. But I had to go through that like rock bottom moment in my life to find that high point to to like find myself, do it for the right reasons, find the inspiration, and go for it with like no fear whatsoever at that point. And um, yeah, so that that was the biggest turning point for sure in my career. And it's interesting because do you think if you hadn't left LA and gone to the woods and all that stuff, do you think you could have ever written that song or not? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that was definitely a necessary part of the journey for me. And then that that song being so successful is still to this day, you know, they always say it only takes one. <laughs> and that was the one that, like, after that song came out, it was, you know, Puff Daddy and Dre and Lupe Fiasco. I got all these different opportunities to write music for other people, and my career took off after that. And that's funny, being in Napa... You know, which is kind of removed from that. Mm-hmm. Are there artists that you still keep in touch with to work with, or are there like? Oh, for sure, I still work. Oh, <coughs> bless you. Thank you. I still work with Marshall a lot. Uh huh. Um, and we've had some actually people come up to Napa to work. We had Alina Baraz in. Nice. Um, and we're about to expand our studio even more. So, looking forward to having artists and stuff, uh, producers, writers come in and visit and hang with us in Napa. Well, I mean, first of all, it's a beautiful place. And then, of course, you have Bottle Rock there, which I do love. So it's Mm -hmm. fun. Like, for you, when you have, like, artists come up for, you know, when there's a festival and it becomes, like, a, excuse me, a music scene for the weekend, like, is that something that gets really, I was trying to say if, I was trying to decide between the word inspiring and exciting, (laughs) and I kind of butchered them both. But is it something for you? It's like, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, when you live in a city, right? You know, you only freaking sightsee when you have people visiting. Yeah. You know, like when you live in New York, you're never going to fucking Times Square on your own. Yeah, Only you when you take somebody. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's like when you have the whole music industry come up there for a weekend, Yeah, does it feel like sort of just like a fun sort of like break from, I guess, you know, just something different? Mm, you know, it's similar to when I lived in Park City, Utah and Sundance came and I actually dreaded it <laughs> because I like a, a sleepy town and that town turns into a mini Los Angeles in a matter of like a second. It's just 
crowded and you can't go to can't go to the restaurants I want to go to. <laughs> so I'm like, eh, I don't really. But so like for Bottle Rock, it gets a little nuts. It's super fun, but it's like sucks it out of you. Like so much energy. Um, it's more exciting for me personally to just have like one group of people come and stay and work on some music and um, be creative and then take them to my favorite restaurants. There's so many amazing restaurants and stuff up in Napa and right, show so what, them the what scenery. Are the, what are the two? What are the two, like the top two that when people are there? Because we talked about okay, the Okay, my favorite food in the whole valley is at Chichio. Okay. And it's a place I didn't go to until recently because they don't take reservations. and But it's worth the wait if you have to wait. Um, but I like to go on a uh, Wednesday night when it's not too crazy and... It's really the best food in the valley, in my opinion. Um, but there's so many other amazing spots. Redwood. Everything in Yountville is pretty much killer. Um, and then Press. Um, Morimoto. Really a lot of great food up there. All right, so last question. Who would be the group of people or people that you would like to have up at the studio that you haven't you know, hosted up there yet? I would love to get Marshall to come out and experience. We have like a huge plot of land up there. It's very remote, but all the amenities that that you need. And it's beautiful. And the recording studio is there. And I would love to like, you know, just write for a week or something with him. Yeah, there's there's a, a little town... Next to Napa, because we stayed there when we were there for Bottle Rock. It starts with an S. I, I'm going to ask you off air because I cannot remember the name of the damn town. But I actually don't want to mention it because I also know that uh, it's funny. My still my favorite songwriter of all time, number one, Tom Waits. Oh, And yeah, I know that rad. he lives up there. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, and, and so obviously you've never seen him like wandering around. It's funny because apparently like, you know. He has actually, like, you know, he would go to his kids' baseball games up there and all this stuff, you know? So I feel like, you know, there's great songwriting just in the air up there. Wow, yeah, that's cool. I should connect with him. That'd be awesome. Well, I also, you know what I love about that, too? So you write a lot with Elliot. Mm-hmm. He writes with his wife, you know? And oh, so yeah. so many of the songs they've, you know, yeah. they've written in the last several years, though he's not really releasing music much these days. Yeah. You know, was written in collaboration. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I love that. I love when people can work together and play together. Yeah. <laughs> cool. What do you want to add I didn't ask you about? I think we covered it all, man. We covered a lot today, and I love it. We did. We always yeah. do, though. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thanks so much for being here. As always, yeah, it's so fun, fun to hang out, you know? Next time, we just have to do it in smoke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Vic from Pierce the Veil, that band, love that guy. We actually started but once by accident. We The first time we were... were doing an interview it was drinking whiskey so now we have as a tradition we have to drink whiskey every interview we do oh, I love that yeah so next time yeah exactly <laughs> hey this is Steve Boston and you have been with us and Skylar Gray here at Patches Studio in Hollywood today like I said man this is a fun one to do I've known Skylar for many years she's a longtime friend one of my favorite people in the industry and is one of the coolest songwriters you'll meet Just gonna stand there and watch me burn. Well, 
Sleep from Sleep Number? Because our Sleep Number 360 smart bed is really smart. It senses your movement and automatically adjusts to help keep you both comfortable. Plus, it's temperature balancing so you stay cool. It's even smart enough to know exactly how long, how well, and when you slept. And to help you get almost 30 minutes more restful sleep per night. Sleep Number takes care of the science. All you have to do is sleep. And now, during our Memorial Day sale, save $1,000 on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed Queen now in $19.99. Only for a limited time. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Think about a bicycle. It takes balance to get where you want to go. Now think about business. Whatever your business or organization, you ride the line between numbers and people. Just like the bike, it takes balance. CLA, CPAs, consultants, and wealth advisors. That's CLA. We'll get you there. Clifton Larson Allen LLP. Investment advisory services are offered through Clifton Larson Allen Wealth Advisors LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points. 